This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Recipe for Press. If your company wants to engage today's influencers and inspire them to write about you, then you need Recipe for Press. Athens based communication advisor and author Amy Fleury helps entrepreneurs across the country demystify the process of pitching their story and creating a buzz. Her book, Recipe for Press, is the DIY PR guide to being your own publicist, and it's truly empowered me and so many other local companies to get their customer base by sharing their stories. Listeners today get a 20% discount with the code COZY when they order Amy's book or any of her products in Recipe for Press store found on www.amyflurry.com. Again, that's a 20% discount with the code COZY when you order Amy's book or any of her products in Recipe for Press store found on www.amyflurry.com. Everybody. Hey, it's me, Cozy, and this is the Cozy Bear Farms podcast coming to you straight out of Athens, Georgia. And today I have a very special guest. She is the mother of 15 kids. She sells insurance for a living, and she's also the market manager of the Marigold Farmers Market out in Winterville, Georgia. Say hello to Sherry Anderson. Hey. I was joking about the 15 kids. <laughs> yeah, it's it's only eight. <laughs> he only has eight kids. But if you count grandkids. Yeah, there's um, number nine is due any day. Number nine is due any day. So, okay, let's just hop straight into the questions. So, we've been kind of doing this little, like, farmer's market thing of, hey, how to look for the right farmer's market, how to be successful at a farmer's market, and the benefits of being at a farmer's market. So, I wanted to get you in here so that you could talk more about your experiences with farmers markets and so the first one is what would you i mean not what you what made you want to be a farmers market manager in the first place uh well back when you and del mark were younger than farmers with the land trust and miss jackie was doing the farmers market i fell in love with it i had actually only thought of farmers market as some something that happens anywhere but where I'm at. I've never really been to one. And um, and she had done such a good job with drawing people there. And I, when I would go there and experience it, I liked the sense of community that was there, getting to know the farmers and the other vendors and getting to see people in the community that I wouldn't otherwise see. So that's what got me interested in it. That's cool. But then what are some of, since you're now in the game of, farm market manager, you've been doing it for a hot second. What are some of the challenges you think you face while being a market manager? Well, right now, time. Time capacity is a big one. Um, we're, right, we're in the middle of the season. 
there's a lot of demands, you know, a lot of things that have to be done. And, um, and when you're at a grassroots level, like we are, we really depend on volunteers. And so just trying to find the right volunteers to do the things that need to be done is a challenge. Also with a new market, I think probably the biggest challenge is just getting people there, you know, mm. how to, especially when you have limited resources. Uh, it's not like we can go on TV and have our little cheesy commercial, you know, come to our market. Um, but, you know, just, just getting people there at the market, I think, is probably the biggest challenge. And then having the capacity, human resource-wise, the second biggest challenge. I thought you were going to say me because I know I'm a hassle. <laughs> You're not that bad. Uh, okay, next question. Do you feel like farmers markets are a good place for people to meet farmers and other types of vendors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we one thing I've noticed is people who come to farmers markets generally are there because they want to know their farmer. They want to know where their food is coming from. And some of them might not be conversationalists and not and just want to like zip through the market, get their stuff and leave. But more often than not, what I see happening is people lingering around the different booths from whoever they're buying from and they're asking questions. They're getting to know them, not just on a level of how what their farming practices are, but then also on a personal level, you know. And I just think it's it's great the way that that works. Yeah, it's a great, great way to do it. How do you feel like vendors can utilize the market to their advantage? Vendors? The vendors, not vendors. Vendors. So basically, if you're a new vendor and you're just showing up, what are some of the things that a farmer's market can do that they could take advantage of to make their business better? Well, it's an opportunity to test, you know, to um, sample your business idea and just get it out there and just test and see if there's a demand for what you want to do. And, you know, the market itself that we kind of follow that that format, if you will, where last season we just had a test season because we just wanted to see, does this community want a farmer's market and is there a need for it? Is there a demand for it? And that's how you build your business. You got to determine, is there really a need for my product? Whatever that is, is or service. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if there is, how can I market mine better? Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think a market? I don't want to sound like a robot reading these questions. <laughs> <laughs> like Siri or <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> what? So when I go to farmers markets, I know there's certain things that the farmers market can do that I can't do. So can you speak more on those things? Things that a farmers market can do that you can't do. So, so for example. Well, I'm going to get you customers. Yeah, but I was going to say, yeah, for example, I just can't pop up in a park and say, produce. Right. It's, it's a platform. Yeah, yeah, it's a platform where you can come, you can get um, guidance on how to market your booth. You're in an area, you know, some people put up those little farm stands and pop up, but this is a more inclusive atmosphere. I think farmer's markets are really the best way to go, to be honest, when you think about the different ways that people get their produce. Do you think it's a good, like, starting uh, starting point for new vendors? 
I think so because a lot a lot of times, and I've seen this with some um, farmers, and I've seen it with some value added. They start off doing it at the farmers market, but then they get to a place where they've grown so much that they can take the next step. And farmers markets are a great way to start that. Like you know, we've got our we've got our pie vendor, you know, the pie guy. Um, he started off at farmers markets and he started off at one farmers market and now he's in two farmers markets, three farmers markets, four farmers markets. It just, you know, and he's adding, but he's growing his business to a point where eventually his goal is to sell retail. Mm. Um, so he's kind of got a bigger vision and doesn't want to just stay in farmers markets. But then you have other vendors, whether they're produce or otherwise, who all they want to do is go to farmers markets forever. And that's where they get their satisfaction, and that's a good goal to have too. That's me. <laughs> that's me. I don't do anything else with farmers markets. Um. So on one of the earlier episodes, I talked about how to be successful for a farmer. Uh, to, how to be successful for a farmer to be at a farmers market, like what what stuff you need to do to be successful at a farmers market. In your opinion, since you're seeing all these different types of vendors, what in your opinion is um, a couple of ways that a vendor can be more successful at a farmer's market? Definitely, they need to be engaged with the people who come by. If someone is coming from a background in sales, if just remember, you know, if someone is sitting and looking at their phone or reading a book, I'm, I'm sure you've been to festivals or whatever, and that's what the person's doing behind their booth. People are just going to keep walking. You know, you want to make eye contact with customers as they're walking around, offer samples or something to get the conversation going, and engage the customers. Uh, I think without engagement, you know, if you're just sitting there, people are just going to keep walking by. You've got to look like you want to talk to them and you want to sell to them. So you want to break down as many barriers as possible. I used to have a thought that the vendor should sit in front of the table instead of behind it. No. But <laughs> no. I understand. But it's it but it is a thought of being more involved with the clients and not having a barrier. You know, I, I get why we, we stand behind the table. I get that hundred percent. Mm. But I can I can also see someone thinking outside of the box and being out from behind the table. But then also you gotta think about your display, what do you want your brand to be? You know, and because you're not gonna you're you're not the only farmer at our market. So what makes your product, what makes your brand different than the other farmers and what's been what is it that's gonna draw your customer loyalty? That is true. But I'm not standing in front of my booth. <laughs> I'm not gonna make you either. Well, I was like, we ain't in the middle of the mall. Right. There is one vendor, she sells perfumes, she could probably do that. Um, at the Marigold Farms Market, so wrap this up, kind of, we're going to talk more about Marigold. Mm-hmm. Last year, you guys did the little produce bags when COVID was all going down and the vendors didn't know really where they could sell. You guys made these little produce bags. Could you explain more what that program was? Okay, so whenever the... Hmm, where do I want to start with that? Initially, as a test season, we had a goal of having the market run from the first Saturday in May to the last Saturday in July. 
And the second, I think it was the second weekend in March that the quarantine was mandated. And so at that point, it became, okay, so now what? Because we're not going to be in person. And after thinking through it, I just started calling the farmers and asking them, what if I created a platform where we have a bag? Okay, we have a bag of produce that people can order. It's not customizable, but every farm is represented. And then I tell you how many bags we need for the week. And I tell you what a monetary value. Okay, so basically, if we have a 20 a $20 bag, we'll just say 21 to keep it simple. We got $21 bag and we've got seven farmers and every farm can put $3 worth of product in there. Is it that one bag? Right. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's $3 worth or however. And then I give you that many units. So I think last year there were times where I gave you two. Like I say, okay, I need $6 worth in, in the bag or whatever. And then... um. And then what would happen is you got, so we'd have the order. Orders were taken from like Saturday afternoon through Thursday, I think it was, or Wednesday night at midnight. And then on Thursdays, I compiled the list of how many bags we needed, and I sent out the information to the farmers. And then on Saturday morning, bright and early, Mm -hmm. all the farmers brought their stuff to our meeting place. And then a, a group of volunteers, we divided the produce up into the bags, put the people's names on the bags, whatever, and then distributed them. And then the following week, after we collected all of the funds, then I would reimburse you for the money that, for the cost of your vegetables. I don't want you to talk about that program because it's almost like a CSA where they can buy the bag weekly, like a weekly CSA. Mm-hmm. And I really like the program because when, when we were all struggling trying to figure out what are we going to do for income because everything was closed down, you guys did that. So I just wanted to highlight that program really quick. And hopefully other farmers markets think of doing a program like that too. But that was really helpful. Yeah, well, and and going beyond that, um, I've thought about continuing it. I just haven't figured out how, you know, because... Like I said, we have limited resources right now. But one of my thoughts was having a program set up where people can order their produce like that ahead of time like we did before. It's a pre-order bag if there's they don't know what they're getting. Okay, so that is the risk. But it's all local. So everybody pretty much knows what's local at the time. Well, you know? it's pretty much a CSA model. You don't yeah. know what you're going to get in the box. You just order it because you want fresh produce. one of my thoughts... I don't know if I'd share this with you yet or not, but one of my thoughts is in in line with trying to create local, affordable, and fresh food mm-hmm. for everyone and being inclusive. Um, I've had a thought of having a program set up where we have a base point. Okay, so it might be $25 value is the bag. And someone who believes in the program of helping people with food insecurities, with low income, low access, they may want to pay $40. For their bag and so that would help offset some of the cost and you've got your $25 bag and then if someone um has snap ebt their bag would be $12.50 okay because snap benefits would be doubled and then um 
and so their bag would be twelve fifty. And then you have people who have that low income, low access, but they don't have food stamps for whatever reason. They don't have SNAP. They don't have EBT. And so their box might be free or up to six dollars. And that's where that extra fifteen dollars that somebody's putting back into the program would cover that cost. It's like the pay it forward thing yeah. when they try to trick you with that at the fast food places, and they're you like, always "Stop it." Do you stop it when it happens? It never happens to me. Whenever they come and be like, you want to pay for the person's food behind you, I'm like, they ain't pay for my food in front of me. Well, I can't. They never do it for me. To just, I think the people are just trying to scam. But I like that program where you guys are saying like people can donate extra to cover the cost of somebody who does need it, but they just don't have food stamps or the resources to get it. So I think that's cool. And I hope you guys can do that. Well, one of the things that... Um that I've heard from, <coughs> excuse me, from people who have that low income, low access, they don't like that they're getting their stuff free. Like they feel like they're being a burden. Mm. And so if we have a program set up where they're just giving a dollar or two dollars or something, at least they feel like they're part of the community and they're not being a burden. Because we want everyone to feel like they're a viable part of society and they all yeah. have that's have nice. Value. I wasn't even thinking of it like that. That's nice, though. Yeah, and there could be other ways. They can give in other ways. They could help with um, sorting, you know, or even if... Oh, if you, like, work for the bag? Yeah. Yeah, they can do that, too. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Okay, let me do this one more question. So, at the market, you guys do have this farm co-op table program. I was going to say program. Can you explain more what the farm co-op table program is? Yes, so... We want to help new farmers, super small farm farmers, don't call them micro farms, whatever. Small scale farms. There you go, small scale farms that are just, they might have one or two items or they might have several items, but just a few of each item. And so instead of having them get their own booth, if they're just trying to figure out, do I want to do farmer's markets or do I just want to keep doing this on a personal level as a hobby? What do I want to do? They can participate in the co-op table and they bring their produce um, and they have it packaged and we have our prices predetermined um, so that when, like say they're bringing squash, okay, then I'm going to say to them, well, for the co-op table, your squash needs to be divided into $3 units because all the squash on the table is going to be $3 a package. It's not, and, and that package might be a pound, might be less a pound, might be more than a pound, doesn't matter if your farm needs to determine what that $3 value is. And then we have that all set up. Each farmer is represented. They've got their logo there. Sometimes, you know, that like this last week, we had four or five people at the co-op table who were farmers representing and being there to answer questions and stuff. So I thought that was pretty interesting and pretty good. But anyway, at the end of the market, um, all of that, all of the money that's been collected from the co-op table um, is compared to the inventory that everyone has submitted, and then we settle up right there on the spot, and they get their, their money. So, because we don't, I mean, it's too confusing to do just cash. Everybody just mm -hmm. monitor their own. If you're going to monitor your own, you need to just go ahead and just get your own table. It's like everything's in one collective place. I wanted to bring up that program because it's an interesting program because I did an episode a while back saying like 
you're not probably going to be growing your crops until after a year. And after you do your year of whatever you got to do, you are going to grow certain stuff. And it's all not going to come in at once. You might have kale first and then your cabbages come like two months later. And you're trying to figure out like, I don't have enough to go to the farmer's market. But I'm not even sure if I want to do a farmer's market. I don't even know what I'm really going to have. This is my first year growing. So I thought that program was really neat. Because all the people that I've met, most of them are incubator farmers, and we had an incubator come on the show before. Um, One guy's a new berry person, and he's like, all his berries have not started producing yet. They're just coming small, and then they're going to explode next week. Next, not next week, next year, because he showed me his stuff, and I was like, oh, you got a good foundation. All this is going to explode. And we got some retired farmers who, retired farmers, who are like, Hey, I'm kind of out of the game, but I still kind of want to be in the game. But I'm not growing a ton of stuff to actually have a booth here. But this little bit of income does help go a long way. Could I come do this table? So I think it's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And like when you said small scale farms, like for me, I would not do the call table. You guys would be like, no, Cozy, you're rejected. You're an established farm. You already got all your stuff done. You need to be at a farmer's market. So that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm glad there's a program for smaller scale farms who are just starting off and they're trying to figure out what do I want to do. And you guys are like, hey, if, if we, we know what kind of farmer you are. If we know you can be at the, at the farmer's market, you need to be at the farmer's market. And some of them are getting close to being they can come have mm-hmm. a booth at the farmer's like market. Just like on the cusp, yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about vendor fees and all of that, you know, at the co-op table, you're paying 10%. To, as a vendor to participate mm-hmm. in the co-op table but then if you're doing an actual booth it's yeah fees you have and... your vendor fees you've got your table your tent you know mm-hmm. there's there's additional costs in there and so it works out really good whenever you know like it and when i say small scale i mean like they're they're making less than a hundred dollars gross during the market like, they're making probably less than that because they only bring in two things right yeah and so it doesn't make sense for them to have a table even though they want to share what they've got going on and so this is just another way to be inclusive and to make things affordable and accessible i just think that's the best program right now for people who are just starting to get in like i love the incubator program of people farming on somebody else's farmland and getting the experience and then the co-op table is kind of like another incubator process of I don't know how to sell. I don't know how to set up my booth. What should I do? I come here. There's somebody here who shows me this is how you set up your booth. This is how we price stuff. This is how you engage with customers. You're not really selling. You're just watching. And if somebody asks, um, I'm going to make up a farm name. I don't want to say any incubators names. Uh, Cherry Hill. Hey, who's this Cherry Hill farmer? I really like their cherry tomatoes. Then we can say, hey, you, get over here. Tell these people who you are, and then you can engage and get your name out there some more. And that was one of the benefits I talked about on an episode of the podcast of benefits of being at a farmer's market is getting noticed and getting people to know who you are and getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you out of here on this one. This is the very last question. This is one of them hardball questions that CNN asks people sometimes. So... A lot of people will say there's problems with a farmer's market. And one of the main problems with farmer's markets are sometimes there's too many farmer's markets. So you could be in a city 
and there's 10 different farmers markets going on on Saturday. So Winterville, y'all brand new, east side of Athens, y'all Athens, east side of Athens, there's already two established farmers markets, so y'all will be the third one. How do you feel about the whole, there's a problem of having too many farmers markets? Um, at first, I was worried about it um, because all the farmers that I knew were already participating in other markets, and I didn't want to take them away from those markets. But we have, like, when I look at all of the vendors on our list, we have 14 that are farmers. That's a lot of farmers who are not participating in any other market. So to say that there's too many markets is inaccurate. I mean, it, we are a small market, but it's still needed. It's, it's still a need for the farmers, and it's still a need for consumers. Um, people who I, I've heard several customers talk about how they are thankful that there's a market on this side of town now because now they don't have to drive as far. And Athens isn't huge. You know, but it does make a difference when you know, okay, it's only going to take me three to five minutes to get to the market versus 20 to 30 minutes. Look, gas high. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Gas high. <laughs> I mean, and where our market is, it's right on the Firefly Trail. People can just ride their bike to the market and or take a walk to the market or whatever. It's super accessible. But I don't think there's too, now that I'm in the thick of it, there's no, I would totally disagree that there's too many markets because we have so many new farms, new farmers, and we have so many that are not participating in another market. I'm going to stay on the fence on that question because mm -hmm. it's true, but not true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because I, I mean, Last year, you offered for me to come to your farmer's market, and I was like, yeah, sure. But I had, like, 10 other offers to go to 10 other markets, and it was kind of like, where are all these markets coming from? And then I found out some of these markets weren't even established yet. They didn't get everything done yet. So I do see, like, there's a yes and a no of there's too many markets, but there's also not enough markets. So I'm going to stay on I'm I'm going to build my house on that fence and just sit on that fence for right now and just see how this all plays out. But I do like that um, the Marigold Farmer's Market is on one side of town and the other farmer's market is on the other side of town. And then there's a market, like, I want to say it's in the middle of town, I mm -hmm. guess. Is it's that like downtown, basically. Yeah, downtown, basically. So it's kind of like everybody can go wherever they want to go. And like you said, we have 14 farmers more farmers to come because I've been getting emails saying, hey, how do I apply for this? So more farmers to come. So I'm going to say yes and no. Now, if six more farmers market pop up, I'm going to be like, what are we doing here? Because the town ain't that big. But I just want to get well, your that, opinion on well, that. Well, and that comes into marketing and trying to think of creative ways to get the word out. Uh, someone, I, I, I'm going to try to work on this this week, but someone suggested getting on Facebook and going to the different neighborhood um pages you know i forget uh HOAs. hoas and you know putting out there hey we've got this market over here if you come bring you know bring this bring us a picture of, of our ad and we'll give you remember i said mm -hmm. we'll give you a discount blah, blah, blah. well yeah you told me but the people listening right but now that i'm saying i was like oh i already said that yeah, but yeah but that's just one way you know mm -hmm. and, and making sure everybody's getting the word out 
Well, thank you, Sherry, for coming on the show. This is this is probably the shortest interview I've done so far. Thank you. Um, you want to plug anything before we get out of here? We're every Saturday at Pitter Park in Winterville. What's the address? 115 Parkview Road, Winterville, Georgia. All right. And it's um, 10 to 2 on Saturday. And you guys can find me this Saturday at the Marigold Farmer's Market every Saturday because I live there now. Um, where's the address again? <laughs> 115 Parkview Road. That address, you can find me there from 10 to 2 with all the other vendors. And you guys can meet Sherry in person if you want to. Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Cozy Bear Market Garden and on Facebook at Cozy Bear Market Garden. Go follow Marigold um, Farmer's Market. Even if you don't live in Georgia, just give them a follow. Yep. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening.